Welcome back to another edition of Official Word Sports Podcast. I'm Vince, and I'm here with my co-host, Stevie D. What's up, my man? How you doing, Steve? Doing good, doing good. Sold the car. I'm a salesman now. I can sell cars. <laughs> Sold it in two days. I, I should have called you. I should have called you when I was looking to buy a car. Well, you probably don't want to buy a car from me, but if you want to sell one, you definitely want to go through me. So if I have to sell anything else, do I just go through you? Sure. I can be a broker. For you, <laughs> you, you get the family discount. No, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Well, Stevie D, some big happenings coming out of, I guess, post-winter meetings for Major League Baseball. Uh, coming out of a deal, if you will, between Major League Baseball the Players Association or the Players Union, and the members from the delegate from Havana, Cuba, where now players from Cuba will not have the restrictions to be able to play in the major leagues and have to defect and try to come over that way to play ball. They're going to be able to come over and play just like the players from Japan and Taiwan and China and all the rest. Yeah, I think it's great. I, I think it's great. It's long overdue. I mean, when you think about some of those talented ball players that have come out and they have had to come by boat and, and the stories of near death over and over again in, in, in the water uh, to come over here to play ball, um, I think it's great uh, for for both countries, uh, really. So I'm looking forward to see what kind of more what kind of talent can that will come over in the, in the coming months and years, uh, and what kind of impact that will have on the MLB. Yeah, I agree with you on the, on the talent pool. Because if you think about it, uh, just over the years, there's always been these stories, right? And they've always been these stories that we could never really validate because this was this unknown land, right, with all of these great baseball players that never really got their shot to play, you know, against the other great baseball players. And so now the, the doors are open. These guys are going to be able to play. Now, they say, they say that the agreement is in place through 2021, so that, that's a three-year agreement, so we'll see how that goes. I can't see it but being anything but good. Yeah, you know, what's interesting is some of the negativity that's come out. I, I don't know if – have you have you heard that? The uh, uh, the Republican uh, – uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if he's a senator or not, but Mario Diaz – I think I'm going to mispronounce his last name – Barlart, B-A-L-A-R-T – he came out with a tweet that was pretty strong. I don't, I don't know if you, you, you've seen this tweet, but basically I, I'm going to quote the tweet that says, shameful that at MLB would consider joining with the Cuban regime to exploit Cuban baseball players. It would be unconscionable for an American organization to participate in human trafficking, which enriches the, the very regime that oppresses the Cuban people. I, I just, I don't know where it's coming from. I, I don't, I don't agree with the statement that, that that uh, that person made, and he and he's calling for Donald Trump to hold the deal, President Trump to hold halt the deal. I I don't I don't understand that piece of it. it. It's a it's a tough situation because you know there are a lot of hard feelings by some uh, against Cuba, and especially against the old regime in Cuba. You know, in as much as we we try to make this a political free zone, you know, sometimes politics does sneak its head into sports. Um, but, you know, I, when, when I look at the game itself and I look at how the doors for the game are slowly but surely being opened to everybody, right? It, it was the 40s when Jackie Robinson was there and, and really brought in uh, the players from the Negro Leagues, right? Then it wasn't until the 60s that you had Clemente and bringing in uh, the players from Latin America, and then it wasn't until the 90s that we saw the the Asian influx of players coming in. There there has to be a time where, you know, we say that this is a game. We're not exploiting riches and minerals and, and things of that sort. You know, we're looking to get the best talent, and, and that's all it is. There's going to be plenty of guys that are going to still be sitting in Cuba wishing that they had a shot to play in the major leagues, but they're not good enough. So if you bring over 10, if you bring over 20, if you bring over 50, you know, you, you get the best talent for America's pastime and one of the greatest games out there. Yeah, I, I so agree. I, I think it's great. It's great for the game, and it's great for the young Cuban players that love the game, knowing that they could have an opportunity to play with the greats of this game. 
right? And look, all a lot of countries they all want to they want to come over here and play baseball because this is considered the mecca to play baseball in, in this in this country. And I and I think it's great that we were able to stri- strike a deal and uh, hopefully it goes beyond three years and everything works great. I mean, we're well, it's just. And just like you said, though, from a humanitarian side, right, if if by no other reason except from a humanitarian side, that's what we always say, that this country is a country of opportunity and we're about humanitarian throughout the globe, right? Well, you don't want to have guys that are in makeshift rafts trying to get up from Cuba to Miami, right, struggling with the, you had the whole story about El Duque and when he tried to come over. You don't want that. So, you know, I, I think – at some point, politics needs to kind of step aside and let certain things happen. But yep. we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's a, it's a great thing for the game of baseball. Absolutely. So, CBD, as, as we look at the landscape of the NFL, we're at the end of the season, right? We, I we can't are, believe it. I can't believe it. It is unbelievable that we're two weeks left in the season. It, it's, I just felt like we were talking about week three. It goes so quick. It really does, especially when you realize that now your efforts are, are looking towards draft picks. You know, for, for some of us, that, that is the annual ritual when week 16 and 17 roll around. But uh, you, you have Cam Newton, who's going to be sitting out now for the rest of the season to try to recover from the shoulder injury that he's going through. I'm glad they're sitting him. Uh, you know, that man takes a pounding week after week, year after year. And, and I'm glad for him and his body that he's going to get the opportunity instead of trying to get this kid to play the last two two weeks to to let him heal, let him get into his off season a little bit earlier for the healing process, and so he can come back stronger in training camp next year. So I, I like the move by the Panthers there. But here's the question: Do the Panthers ask Cam in 2019 to change his style of play so that he can protect the shoulder that's being repaired? No, because that's not Cam Newton's game. And if you do that, it's a recipe for disaster. How many how many clubs through the years have you seen executives go to this quarterback and say, look, this is what you, we want you to do. You know, you're great at doing what you're doing over there, but we're trying to protect you. And, and it doesn't really work out. You drafted him for a reason, for the athleticism and everything that comes with it. So you have to let him play his game. Because if you make him alter his game, the re- I don't know if a quarterback – where those results were better. I mean, I even go back to Randall Cunningham back with the Eagles back in the 90s, right? You know, here's this this, this quarterback that had a cannon. He run. I mean, he made some moves on that football field. I know you know what I'm talking about. He had super freak athletic ability. And then here they come in. Rich Kotite comes in, takes over for Buddy, and he tries to change Randall into a pocket passer. Next thing you know, Randall Cunningham is out of football, mm-hmm. right? And then he, he comes back, he does what, construction work out in Vegas? He comes back with, with Dennis Green and, and the Vikings. And, and he was like, oh, my God, if he had this coach his whole career, we'd be talking about Randall Cunningham as maybe the greatest quarterback, you know, in the, in the t- category of top quarterbacks. Because what he did at the end of his career with the Vikings was unbelievable. I don't think you change it. I don't think you change him. And if you do, shame on, on Rivera and the, and the executive team over there. Well, and I, you know, just to echo that, I had what happened with Michael Vick when he was with Atlanta, right? They wanted to get him to stay in the pocket, and he stays in the pocket and suffers the knee injury, right? You, you just the, oh, yeah. the guys, I was totally forgot about that, the knee injury. That's right, because the same thing happened with Randall Cunningham um, when he got his knee blown out. Oh, my God, it's so funny how that both happened to both of those quarterbacks. And, and they tell him, you know, don't do this, but this is what you know. Yep. Right. But the interesting thing, I, I heard one of one of the college scouts, another talk show recently, and they was talking about the quarterbacks that are coming into the league and the age of the the statuesque drop back passive that we know that that age is gone by the wayside. Right. All the quarterbacks that are coming out now out of college, or the vast majority of them are these mobile read option scramble inside quarterbacks. Um, and if, if you're going to ask them to change, you know, you're, you're risking not only the game, right, their, their feel of the game, because no longer are they the three, five-step type quarterbacks that play it. They're the guys that are going to kind of roll out, make things happen, run around in the pocket. Uh, but also now, if you're asking them to change, now you run the risk of injury, 
right? Because that's not what they're accustomed to. So uh, I, I hope the Panthers, to, to your point, I hope the Panthers tell Cam, you know, play your game, be Superman, go, go do your thing. Um, but the Panthers better have a backup option ready to go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That... Well, I was just going to say, while we stay, stay on the course of quarterbacks, somebody just got a job with the Raiders. Let's make this official word sports trivia. <laughs> Uh, so, Stevie D. Yes. Let me know when you are ready. I think I'm ready. Okay. A quarterback that used to play in the AFC East division. Okay. He is well known for his ability. Well, let's see. Do I say inability or do I say ability? He, he is well known for his inability to throw to his own team but for his ability to throw to the other team. In his career, he has a 52.3% completion percentage. I think it would go up much higher if you concluded all of the interceptions that he threw to the other team. He is now a quarterback with the Oakland Raiders. Do you know who I'm referring to? So we're not talking about Mark Sanchez, uh, because I think he's employed with um, the Redskins. And, and we're not talking about fumbles, uh, butt fumbles. And butt fumbles. Because um, he was an interception machine there, Mark Sanchez. So um, uh, he, it's not him. So we know it's nobody with New England. We know it's nobody with Miami. We know it's not Sanchez. So I have a feeling, I'm going on a limb here, that we're talking about the Buffalo Bills. And I believe we're going with the former sixth-round pick, I think it was sixth round, maybe fifth round. Fifth. Nathan Peterman. That is correct. That is correct. One Nathan Peterman is now a member of the Oakland Raiders. How does that make you feel? How, how do you feel about that? Well, <laughs> I it, it brings a smile to my face. <laughs> I, but I just think of John Gruden. It, 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 there has to be only one coach that would do this, at least this year. Right, he didn't even wait till the off season to say we're going to bring you in for a workout during the off season. He he said, "No, hey Carr, uh, I need you to sit down for a minute. I got this kid Peterman over here that I want to see him to make some throws." I mean, really, I I don't see the value. No, I I don't see the value either. Um, it, it's you know what's the old saying, John being John. Um, I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's going to be interesting in Oakland or Las Vegas, whatever you want to call him. Uh, <laughs> he better hit on those draft picks. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, there's going, to be, a, there's going to be an uproar, and, and, and that's going to turn into a $100 million mistake real quick. I, I we, we should do the show live from the draft, just so that we can go to the table and talk to the Raiders brass and say, hey, what, what do you think about your pick? We know that you, you had three picks. You saw this punter. You thought, you know, maybe you could sneak him in the second round, but you figured, well, while we got three first-round picks, we got to grab this punter. You, you know, that's almost as bad as the Jets picking Kyle Brady right there. I mean, that would be that bad. The Jets select tight end Kyle – who? Right? In that draft, we want a Warren Sapp. We get we get Kyle Brady. No, sorry, Kyle, but you know Warren Sapp. So, yeah, you, that would be surprising if he, if he went that route. It, it, I, I'm curious where the Raiders are going to go in the draft. I really am. But so many holes, you know, they they snuck up and had a lucky game last week. Um, and then this week they return back to typical Raider form. So, But this week, this week was highlighted by the Thursday night game. Now, we both were quite adamant that this game should not be played on Thursday night for no other reason than the health concerns, you know, of coming off of the short week. Uh, but also, it should have been probably the Sunday night game or, at worst, the 4 p.m. game on Sunday. Yeah, I don't uh, understand the flex schedule. You have a flex schedule for a reason, but yet you're going to make this important game be on a Thursday night on a short week. Uh, it, it was mind-blowing that they didn't flex it to, to the 8 o'clock, uh, the Sunday night game. But what a game it was. Oh, it I, was. I, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a San Diego or, let me rephrase it, there's another dollar into the into the jar. I'm not a Los Angeles Chargers fan, and I really have enjoyed watching the Kansas City Chiefs. 
But, man, to watch what the Chargers did in the second half and really in the fourth quarter to come back. Um, and then to watch Anthony Lynn make that decision right on the spot to go for two and to get the win with virtually no time left on the clock. That's a cojones right there. But you know what's – yes, but here's the deal. If you don't go for it, right – and I don't, wouldn't have killed him if he went for it and missed because you're on the road. What if the Chiefs get – get the course and we all know that the coin flip and we all know how power offense there is they can go down score a touchdown you never get a chance to touch the ball sure if you don't win the game you have no shot at the division if you lose the game okay you lose the game but you're still making the playoffs and so i i thought the risk was a lot lower for anthony lynn at this stage of the season what that game meant at that point in the season if he had any shot for a division title and i agree that i wouldn't put it in the hands of overtime sure i wouldn't do it I, I thought it was great i thought mike williams had a tremendous second half uh they did it without melvin gordon well you can say well the chiefs didn't have kareem hunt well that's the chief's problem why they don't have kareem hunt melvin gordon is out due to injury um they but, did it without keenan allen and they did it yeah because keenan went out what in the first quarter the first couple of plays yes. of the game or something like that yeah uh, a recurring yep. injury and uh just a a great performance by philip rivers um, Anthony Lynn as a coach, everybody. I mean, you still held the, the Chiefs down to 28 points. When's the last time the Chiefs had 28 points or something? It, it feels like forever. Uh, and it was a tough 28, too. Yeah. It, it, it wasn't like they were just going right down the field and scoring. They, they made Mahomes work. Joey Bosa played played a great game. Um, and, the, and the whole defense for the Chargers played a great game. They shut, they basically shut him down almost in the second half. It, it was a great game. So the, I, so, I, so the question is there a blueprint? Is there some type of blueprint now, uh, especially now with Kareem Hunt? And I call it a blueprint. It's really unfair because, to me, the Chiefs have lost that balance that they have with Kareem Hunt. And that's that's a huge difference. And I think that's why we, when we said a couple weeks ago with Le'Veon Bell for 2019, is Le'Veon Bell the answer for the, Pits, for the Kansas City uh, Chiefs for, for 2019? Because they don't have that balance right now with, with Kareem Hunt. And no disrespect to their Williams and and uh, and Spencer Ware, um, but it, they are a different offensive team. And when you're going to go up against teams with better defenses and really smart coaching staff, are the is that the kryptonite now that's going to hurt the Chiefs come playoff time? That's a great question. It, it, it's almost and you're right when when Kareem Hunt and it all it really did start when Kareem Hunt was let go. Um, that you saw a change. It, they just did not seem, they do not seem as fluid as they used to be. Um, and, and maybe it's because of the checkdowns. Maybe it's just because, I mean, if you think about it, not only do you go through the four and a half, five weeks of training camp, but you also go through the mini camps. You also go through the OTAs. You were also on the team last year. So you're learning the tendencies. You guys are able to be kind of, in tune with each other. So when you get on the field and you, you know what the play is, you see the coverage, you see the read, you know, sometimes it's just a look. And, and when you bring in another guy who may have the talent, but he's he's reading from the same playbook, but you're not on the same page, things work, but they don't work as smoothly as they do when you've been together in a while. So, you know, good running game that they have. You know, the guys are kind of getting the job done, but it's still not the same. And it will certainly be a true test for Andy Reid now to try to get everybody back on the same page to get rolling. I mean, we're at crunch time now. You know, if this was going to happen, you'd rather this happen in week two than in week 13. That's for sure. Right. Yep. So the next game, I, if you mind, I'd like to give a shout out sure. to, to Matt Nagy and the Chicago Bears for their turnaround. Um, in, in 2018 and, and such. Yeah, absolutely. Give it up to Mr. Nagy and uh, Coach Nagy and his coaching staff. Um, uh, Vic Vangio on the defensive side, coaching that side of the ball. Um, I thought they're a very well-balanced team offensively. I love their running game. I love Howard. and I, I love uh, Cohen, uh, the, the new addition this year. Uh, Trubisky's kind of kind of coming into his own a little bit this year, little by little. He's getting the, the light bulbs clicking with that offense. It's a very intricate offense that they run out there. But really, um, uh, Coach Nagy's done uh, – he couldn't well, have exceeded any more expectations 
then what is he? Ten, ten and four. Wins well, the division as a rookie. Hold, hold, hold on, CBD. Yeah. Or Khalil I think, Mack. I know you got. Go no, I think you're giving too much credit to Matt Nagy. I think the credit needs to go to Official Word Sports Ooh. because yes, when the before the season started, Official Word Sports picked the Chicago Bears to win the NFC North. That that pick in itself gave the Bears the confidence. Ooh. Yes, to believe in themselves that they could get the job done. Now, you know, Nagy was there to kind of steer the ship, but it was official word sports. We were the grease to get that machine running. Well, you know, what's funny was uh, we, as a family, we went down to, to Texas over the summer to catch a baseball game, catch a Rangers game, and we went to this one place. And I saw these guys, the, a couple with their parents and whatnot. It looked like it was their family trip or something. They was wearing a Bears hat. And I said, oh, Bears friend, huh? I said, yeah. I said, oh, you're going to love your new coach. Oh, yeah, why? Well... You know, I I know Coach Nagy from the from the neighborhood back where I live, and and uh, he's a tremendous football guy. When I saw that the folks we were talking, to, and I said, you know, you're getting a heck of a coach. I said he's got an offensive mind that I really think it's going to go very well with Trubisky and what what the new style of offense that he's going to put in. And so, um, you know, they were happy to hear that. And they said, and the, the one lady, in typical Chicago fan, it's almost like a New Yorker, right? And it says. I believe it when I see it, right? So, so that was great. And, and to his credit, uh, he's turned that ship around really quick from John Fox. And uh, and they have a bright future um, in Chicago. And, and obviously the, the addition of Khalil Mack did, didn't hurt. And what he brings to the table on the defensive side of the ball and the attitude, I think he's infectious uh, for the other players on the defense. Um, and you got a bright mind in Vic Fangio. Uh, running the defense. So it's exciting. I'm really curious to see where the Bears can fall into play here with that defense come playoff time uh, because you got some high-powered offenses on the Saints and the Rams. And so if they get that matchup, I'm really curious to see how that defense versus one of those offenses and see how it reacts. In, in all seriousness, though, I really believe the – the switch that was turned wasn't from Nagy, wasn't from official word sports, and as much as I want to say that it was from official word sports, I do think it was from the front office making the move to get Khalil Mack. Because I think that move, sending two first-round picks, told everybody in that organization, everybody that sits in an office, everybody that cleans the offices, everybody that takes care of the equipment, everybody that wears the equipment, it tells everybody that we are here to win. We're not here to be second best at Green Bay. We're not here to watch Minnesota do what they did last year. No, we are here to take over this division, and we're here to try to go to the Super Bowl. And when you get that type of commitment from the front office, it just permeates all the way through the rest of that locker room, and, and you can see the results on the field. So I really do think that more than anything, more, more than the coaching change, more than the quarterback's development, it, it really goes to the front office making that move. Good point. The Philadelphia Eagles, they took on the Rams. Now, on paper, it's going to be a Rams blowout. Even though the Rams were, were missing a couple guys, it was going to be a Rams blowout. And all of a sudden, Nick Foles comes in circa 2017-18, and he played like a baller. He was out there just just running and had big enough lead to kind of coast in in the fourth quarter. And you got the Eagles rising from the dead, taking down the world beater of the of the Los Angeles Rams. The question that I have is, is there something wrong with the Rams? Just like we're, we're wondering if there's something wrong with the Chiefs. And we're going to talk about the Saints soon. Is there something wrong with the Rams? Yeah, maybe they're looking ahead. You, right? you think? Yeah, it could be. It could very well be that because on paper, you don't the way the Eagles have played this year, sure, the Super Bowl team of the Eagles, sure, they could hang obviously with the Rams. But this year's Eagle team, they're I mean, they're a mess all over the place. Um, and so I, I was really shocked, really shocked in that football game. It just goes to show you my picks are out the window. I mean <laughs> I mean, I, I, I had that as a no-brainer. I would have put that, if I had a, a, a Vegas show, I would have put that as a sure thing. I, I would guarantee your bet on that one because um, I, re, I really didn't think they, they had a shot. But, you know, what about this Nick Foles kid and, and this and running the offense for, you know, head coach Doug Peterson? He runs that offense pretty pretty darn good. Uh, so it's interesting. Now, I mean, it's, there's no quarterback controversy, although my phone's lighting up. 
right now saying breaking news, breaking news. Um, Nick Foles uh, is, is named the new starter, uh, making it up. But um, it, it's a good story for Nick Foles. Did he, I don't even know if he signed a one-year or two-year contract. I, I don't know. But it would be interesting if it was a one-year deal and how much of a hot – if he wins the next couple of games, gets the division title over the Cowboys, if somehow he can parlay that into uh, into a bigger well, payday. If you think about it, coming off the Super Bowl, he, he was the hot free agent and decided that he was going to stay with the Eagles for this year. Uh, great move. Maybe they, you know, they I know they were kind of concerned about where Wentz was going to be starting the season, and, and that was their, you know, break glass of, in case of emergency type situation. Um, but now, you know, you look at a bad injury Wentz was coming from with the leg injury. Now, now you have the back injury. Quite possibly, they, they may try to lock Foles up a little longer than expected, and just in case, you know, that may be their guy. You know, you, you never want to hope for getting a job because of injury, but that, <laughs> looking at Carson Wentz, that could be something that happens. Right, no doubt. Also, with injured quarterbacks, Josh Johnson, the, the legend that is Josh Johnson. Again, another one that we did not pick right, <laughs> and our picks just went by the wayside. How about Josh Johnson leading the Redskins over the Jaguars? Now, granted, the Jaguars are, are just a complete mess. They are a dumpster fire. Doug Marone is now on the hot seat. Uh, forget, you know, maybe or a lukewarm seat. He is completely on the hot seat and probably reports are that he will probably be let go at the end of the year. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, you're talking about Josh Johnson, the number one pick in the AFL, coming in with little or no preparation, and actually leading the Redskins to a come-from-behind victory over the Jaguars. Here's the thing with Josh Johnson. What a great story. And he had some quotes saying, you know, I'm loving every second that I have because I never thought I'd be back and just enjoying the moment. And, and he said, I didn't realize how much I love the game of football now that I'm back. It's like players may take it for granted, and then then you realize nobody wants you, and then you're away from the game for whatever time period, and then you get that phone call and come back, and now you're the starter, and you lead the team to victory. It's like that all those competitive juices come back. It almost reminds me of uh, a little bit of Randall Cunningham with that layoff coming back, and then I don't know if you remember Tommy Maddox. Yeah. He, he was awful. And it, then he comes back to the NFL, and it's like, who the heck is this kid? Where's he been? You know, he was selling car insurance for like five years when he when when I think it was the steel was it the Steelers that came knocking? I couldn't remember yeah. if it's the yeah, Steelers. And then he had some phenomenal a couple of good years for the Steelers before the you know, Ben and Cordell show. Um, but uh yeah, good for Josh Johnson. I I am I'm happy for him. I you never know. He'll get another job next year. You you win he wins the next two games, they go nine and seven, somehow take the division over the Cowboys. Well, oh, yeah. if Nathan Peterman can be signed by the Raiders, Josh Johnson can get a job next year. Yeah, yeah, fair point. But literally, he could get a really good job and and actually get a little bit of coin, right? Because he's taken well. And let's face it, the Redskins are not a bad football team. They just lost their starting quarterback, and everything went went downhill. So, well, there, there, there's more going on in Washington than just that. Washington really is in disarray. It started after that Clinton-Dix trade. And there just seems to be mounting friction within that locker room. Added to that, you had the Alex Smith and then Colt McCoy injuries. So for him to do what he did, that that is a sign to the rest of the players that we're still here to play. So yeah. that that's a good thing there. If we stay in the NFC East, and we haven't given the NFC East a whole lot of love this year, but how about those Cowboys? You know... Uh, that was a horrible, horrible game. Horrible game for the for the Cowboys. Jesus, you had all the momentum. You could have put this division away, and you literally sure. lay a goose egg. You literally lay an egg, right? A goose egg. Oh my gosh. Sure could have. I mean, if if you think about it, the Cowboys now are eight and six, right? They they had their chance, like you said, to just basically put a stranglehold on the NFC East. And now they're back in it with Philly and Washington, and now every game matters. They're going to have to fight. And even if you do fight, there's a chance that you still may not make it. Yeah. I, how, how does that happen? I blame the coaching staff. 
from what respect? Because maybe they didn't light a big enough fire underneath their uh, underneath their butts. Because when you get shut out, to me that's like playing flat. And how do you play flat in a game? You win that game, you win the division. You literally win the division with that game because you go up. You're nine and five with two to play. Division's over. Division is over. I you, I don't blame the coaching staff. They, they're they're personally at fault, but I don't blame the coaching staff. That, Horrible that, that's game a, plan. Horrible that, game plan. You can't that's score points. That's on Dak. That's on Dak. That's on Zeke. That's on Cooper. That that's on all of them. That's on the defense. That's, hey, that's on all of them. On but to get red. shut out. It's on Big Red. That red hair. <laughs> well, Jerry would love to hear you say that, <laughs> so he can make his move. I'm going to work on get Jerry on the show, but then we can ask him. Is that phone ringing again? <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one out of the NFC East, has Eli played his last game or second or third last game of his career? No, I don't believe it for a second. I think he's going to be back next year and he's going to be the starter. I believe they're going to draft the quarterback of the future and he's going to sit a year behind Eli. So... Um, so I, you're telling Jeff, you're telling I almost said Jeff fans you're telling Giant fans that they're gonna have to deal with another season of Eli? Yes. Yeah. I well, do. then then they're gonna have back to back picks that are gonna be great picks for sure. them. Sure. I, I I don't I just think I don't think the Giants have the stones to move away from Eli and he's on the contract. Yes, you can probably cut him and have maybe minimal cap uh, issues with it, but. I think Eli is here at the end of this year, and he's going to be there next year. But they're going to have the quarterback drafted this year, and he's going to sit for a year and learn. And I think that's the right play. The right play. Unless so, that kid comes in and just lights it all up, I, I, I think you, I think you sit the kid and let him learn behind a two-time Super Bowl champion and what not to do. <laughs> I'm just wondering why why not get the Nick Foles? Why not get the the Teddy Bridgewater? Why why not get one of those guys that are more serviceable than Eli? Because Eli knows the system that Sherman now has in for a year, and um, Eli has more. Um, but hold on, hold hold on. Is the system that Sherman has in? Is that the system that Sherman wants to implement, or is that the system he has to implement because of Eli and his deficiencies? Well, that's a good question. I don't know uh, that answer to that question. I just don't see the Giants parting ways with a two-time Super Bowl champion who's been there for 14, 15 years, 15 years, whatever it is, to let him go to sign a Teddy Teddy Bridgewater, and I, you mentioned another quarterback. I, I don't remember the, the quarterback's name, but it's a stopgap for a rookie. I think the way they look at it is we'll draft, we'll draft the quarterback next year. We'll let him learn under Eli Manning and how to be a professional. Because, look, Eli, Eli Manning may be a lot of things, but, it, but he's truly a good professional. Um, I, I don't like his game so much. I was never a big Eli Manning fan. When you talk about Eli Manning for the Hall of Fame, I don't see it. I don't care. He won two Super Bowls. He won two Super Bowls on two plays. The throw to, to Tyree and the throw to Mario Manningham down the sideline. Those were his two plays in the Super Bowls. His defense, the defense in that first Super Bowl is why they won. That front four got him that first Super Bowl ring. right? And then obviously the catch um, should have been in, uh, in the grasp. But I'm not going to give the Patriots any love. I'm glad it happened. I'm glad it happened over Rodney Harrison. Uh, big, strong guy. Couldn't knock it out of the hand on the helmet. Um, but I digress there. Uh, I, I just think that Eli is going to be the guy, and I don't think they can move away from him. I think he's meant too much to the organization that I don't believe they'll do it. I would be well, shocked if they did that. They, they tried to do it last year. It got uh, well, fired. Mac, Mac didn't know what he was doing. Man, did that backfire. But, you know, when you look at Pat Shermer, it, it, just looking at at his pedigree, right, he, he was the quarterback's coach, offensive coordinator for the Eagles when they had McNabb. Um, he, he also coached Sam Bradford. Um, you know, he had the stint in Cleveland. Oh, help him. You know, he, but at least he didn't go winless like uh, somebody we know, Hugh Jackson, 
just had to throw it out there again. All, anytime we can get some hate on Hugh, you know, we, we are absolutely going to do that. Um, and I, I think I'm more upset about the Hugh Jackson thing. Not to, not, not to just go off kilter, but you ruined my pick, Hugh. You ruined my pick. Yep. And I think that's why, why I'm upset more than anything. I gave you love, and you ruined my pick. But anyways, back to Pat Shermer. He's had good quarterbacks. He's had quarterbacks that do not fit the Eli mold. That's where I'm where I'm headed with this one. I, you know, I think that bringing in a quarterback a little bit different than than uh, Eli would kind of open up the system in the style of play that he likes. So I don't know. It, I, I agree with you. I agree with your statement, but the Giants won't do it. Okay. Right. Okay. I, I think you're spot on what the Giants should do, but they won't do it. It's tough. How many franchises, when you have a guy that's been facing your franchise for 15 years, and all of a sudden you're staring at the end? Some teams, cold-hearted, I'm moving on. Right. You've seen legends at the end of their careers play one or two years with another team because the team's like, look, I'm, I'm done with you. i got to move on. And then there's teams that have that loyalty and, and the sense of the fans – because the fans are going to get mad if you move on, which I don't believe this would be the case here. But they want to leave with Eli on good terms. And so I think they're going to stick it out one more year with Eli. Okay. Stevie D. Yo. What is happening in the French Quarter with the Saints? That's a million-dollar question. If I, if I knew that answer, I would sell it to Sean Payton. I think Sean Payton should be fired. Wow. <laughs> that's a pretty short statement right there. Now, they just can't score. They some, Something is off. Something is completely off. And they they still have their core team. It's not like they lost anybody. Yeah, you brought in Dez and, and everybody was excited, but he, he never got on the field. So it's not like you really lost him. Right, you, correct. You, you didn't lose Brandon Marshall. So I don't know what's happened, though. This team can't score. They were another one of the – we talked about the Chiefs. We talked about the Rams, right? Your, your 45, 50-point-per-game teams, they were another one. And now they barely got a touchdown. They, they were a field goal machine this week against Carolina. Well, they're still 12-2, and two, and they'll figure it out. I, I, I have all the confidence in the world that they're going to figure it out. They have too many playmakers still. Yeah, they have injuries, but they still have too many playmakers. And I think they're going to be fine. I do. I, I do, too. It's it's just off to see them struggle against the Bucks. It's off to see them struggle against the Panthers. Granted, both teams are division foes who know you. But still, they, we're, again, we're talking about a team that can put up 45 points in the blink of an eye. And it just seems like... All of a sudden, they're trying to get some work in for the punter. <laughs> hey, everybody's got to practice, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that leaves us to the last game we wanted to talk about, which was so near and dear to both of our hearts and to the millions around the world, as Michael Buffer <laughs> would say. The Steelers, on the back of the rookie running back, shut down the New England Patriots. You know that that was that was a really good football game. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be seventeen to ten game going into it, but hats off to the Steelers defense. Think about this. Think about this. If it wasn't for a blown coverage where three guys basically ran into each other because they didn't they weren't able to call out their assignments before the snap, it could have been seventeen to three. That's the only way Hogan gets open on that crossing pattern for the touchdown. I mean, they they literally shut the Patriots down. Gronkowski is not doing anything. Well, here's a funny thing that that I was reading uh, reading an article, and I wish I can give credit to the person who wrote it, but I, I don't remember his name. This is buyer's remorse that the Patriots are having with Rob Gronkowski. Belichick wanted to trade Gronkowski to the Lions, and Gronkowski said he was going to retire. And then whatever happened with him and Kraft, 
Next thing you know, he gets an extension. I guarantee you Belichick is fuming over that extension because he's known to get rid of a player a year too early and a year too late. And if you look at his statistics, he doesn't have the touchdowns. He's not getting separation like he had before. He's not the same tight end he was a couple of years ago. And I and I, I guarantee it Belichick is flipping at, at Kraft saying, look, I told you we should have traded him. Can you stay out of that scenario and let me work it? Because now he would have had a, a number one draft pick for Gronkowski to help rebuild that offensive team, the offensive side of the ball in the draft. So I think the Patriots are truly, they're, they're a sinking ship. They are a sinking ship. I, I, would, I would absolutely agree with you. Uh, if, if you look at Gronkowski's numbers this year, um, and you just look at, you know, his production just is low. Right, it is not the Rob Gronkowski that we know from years past. There's the fear is not there that we knew in years past. You know, we're talking about a 70, 80 catch a season for him, and and now we're we're talking about he's sitting at 45, and, and you're covering him with slot corners, right? Remember the whole talk about Gronkowski was you need to find a linebacker who is going to be big enough, but he needs to be fast enough. You need a safety who's going to be big enough. You need a corner who has the skills to be able to run with him down the field. He, he was a night, he was a matchup nightmare. And now you're getting a slot corner and you're saying you cover Gronkowski. No problem. Right? It, it, it's no big deal for them. They, but they are a mess all, all the way around. Right? And it really started out with the four-game suspension. Actually, let, truly when it started out was the end of last season. And, and you look at everything that happened, right? You had the Garoppolo trade. You had the Josh McDaniels leaving and then coming back. And why did he come back? Because we know that he was given certain assurances and guarantees by Rob Kraft that, you know, he was going to be the heir apparent to Belichick. You had the stories leading for it that were last year leading into this year where Belichick wanted to – either force Brady's retirement or to trade Brady off like you talked about, right? Because he, he wants to get as much as he can for you when he knows that you're at the end so he can kind of keep that machine going, right? I don't want to rebuild. I just want to replace. And he's done that with everybody. But Kraft, whether it being ego or being loyal or whatever, is trying to keep everybody from the Patriots that he knows. Right. It's, it's almost kind of like you wonder if it's going to end up like Jimmy and Jerry. Yes, it will. It will. Uh, well, it, it 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 will. It'll all be on what Belichick does. If Belichick says, you know what, I'm 65, 66 years old, or however old he is, I know he's in in his 60s, late 60s. If he says, you know what, I'm done with this. You know, I've I've had a good run. I've had fun. I've made my mark. I'm ready to go. If he says that, then no, then then he's he's gonna just you know, yeah. kind of grumble on his way, and he's going to leave. But if it continues the way it did last year, oh, yeah, somebody's getting fired. Yeah. And if Miami would have done what they were supposed to do, then really there's a chance somebody's getting fired because there's a chance that they may not make the playoffs. Right. I mean, realistically, they're probably winning their last two games, and they're going to go 11-5. and five. If they go 11 and five, it's the weakest 11 and five, because they went, they got five of those wins within the division, mm-hmm. right? And so, I mean, let's face it, the, the Bills and the Jets are not at that level. The Dolphins, are though having a good whoa, year. Whoa, whoa! Speak for yourself. I have the number two ranked defense. Okay, Nate Peterman. Yeah, he he's the one the reason why we're not in the playoffs. You go from playoffs to chumps. So I mean, how many wins? It's, you got? How many wins? It's you got? all because of Nate Peterman. You got five wins. You can take yeah, that. turn it? those Peter turn those Peterman losses into wins. Next thing you know, we're sitting at eight wins. Yeah, but the number two defense doesn't do anything when you got five wins. So yeah, you can hang your hat on that. That's great. Maybe you'll go down in the history as the losingest team with the best Frank defense. I don't know. Oh, you know, there you go. <laughs> I'm sure if the you Jets mentioned the, the number two. You mentioned the butt fumble, so you had it coming. <laughs> um, but no, seriously though, with the Patriots at eleven and five, that's a very soft eleven and five. And 
you're going to start going up against these powerhouses in the playoffs. I think they're going to get embarrassed. I think they're going to get embarrassed. And it, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And I, I can't wait for the all the stories to shine the, the dysfunction in New England because I think there's plenty of it. Stevie D, it's time for Quick Hits. And our Quick Hits segment is brought to you by Wanna Follow. Wanna Follow, the only social media consolidator on the planet. Imagine being able to follow anyone on any platform. Their patent-pending technology keeps you updated on all of your favorites by bringing all of their social media updates to you. WannaFollow.com also provides an efficient opportunity for you to follow and be followed. It's DVD. Speaking of WannaFollow, we are listed on WannaFollow.com. So all of our Twitter, Facebook, Instagram feeds are all there on WannaFollow. Great platform. Excellent for keeping track of any social media update that you're looking for. It's going to be revolutionary. It, 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 it's going to be a hit with everybody on social media. This is what I think everybody's clamoring for. I don't have to go to all these different areas to get my social media. I can get it all in one platform. Uh, I think it's a great, great idea, great platform, and uh, I think they're, it's going to be huge. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as we look at our quick hits, one of the interesting things, and, and we're going to dive into the NHL real quick. And again, this is our quick hit segment. One of the interesting things that has popped up recently is the issue the Sabres are dealing with Patrick Berglund. Now, for those of you who don't know who Patrick Berglund is, he was a player with the St. Louis Blues who was involved in the Ryan O'Reilly trade this summer between the Sabres and the St. Louis Blues. But I guess Mr. Berglund wasn't happy to come to the Buffalo Sabres. And, of course, the Sabres have had some struggles over the last few years. And maybe he didn't see that they had Jack Eichel. Maybe he didn't see that they were drafting Rasmus Dahlin. Maybe he didn't see some of the other players where the Sabres were on the cusp of turning things around. But he decided he was going to be disgruntled because he didn't want to leave the Blues. So then he comes to the Sabres and, you know, is kind of half-assing it out there and, you know, really not wanting to be there and kind of throwing tantrums. And so Phil Housley, the coach of the Sabres, and the staff decide that he's going to be a healthy scratch. But lo and behold, those Buffalo Sabres who he didn't want to play for all of a sudden started to go on a 10-game winning streak and find themselves at one point number one in the NHL. And now they, they are in third place behind the Lightning, who were just absolutely blowing everybody away. Uh, but still, he, he was, he's he been a healthy scratch. And then he decided, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and quit. And he just asked to be, uh, well, he didn't even ask. He just left the team. So the Sabres ended up putting him on unconditional waivers. And this is where it gets tricky, Steve. Because when when you look at sports and you look at the way contracts are done, and you look at who, who holds the cards, right? You, you go in and you sign the deal, and it's a mutual, mutually agreed-upon deal between the player uh, and, and the organization. The, here you have a guy who signed a deal, has $13 million left for two years that the Sabres owe him. But since the Sabres put him on unconditional waivers, they sent a letter to not only Patrick Berglund but also to his agent, uh, basically giving them notice of their actions. If he does not respond, they will be free and clear of that $13 million. That contract will be voided. So now the Sabres will end up with four, four and a half million uh, for this year in their pocket. But as we were talking offline, are, are we looking at a new way for players to kind of control their own destiny? If you don't like the situation, if you don't like the team, you just quit and try to become a free agent? Because basically, in essence, that's what he's going to be if he doesn't respond or acknowledge the letter or contest the letter more than anything. Yeah, and uh, I think it becomes a scenario where his actions, I think, is going to turn owners um, against him. And, and, and I think at his age, at 36, I believe he's 36, I don't know how many more opportunities he's going to get with other teams because of his age, right? It, it, to me, if he's 23 years old and he pulls a stunt like that, he maybe get back in the game because he's a good young talent. At 36, play, doing this, I think the owners may collude with each other and say, you know what? 
We're not letting a player run run this NHL. You get traded, man up, and deal with the trade, whether you like it or I, not. I, I would love for that to be the case. So would I. But unfortunately, I don't see the owners. You know, we've seen them and we've talked about them colluding with other players for other situations. In this case, in as much as you'd like to see them do it, there's going to be a team near the trade deadline that says, hey, here's a free agent. We could sign him. And, and signing an older player in the NHL is not uncommon. Sure. Right? You got guys yeah. that play, you know, late 30s, early 40s. I mean, Yager's still playing. He's like 76, right? He is. <laughs> he is. So, you know, I could see them saying, I don't have to give up an asset. I don't have to give up a first-round pick. I don't have to give up, you know, a young guy in in, in my minors and still get a, a guy that I could put out on the power play, even if it's on the second-line power play, that has talent that may be able to be the boost that I need. I, I just don't see him doing it, and I see a player that what should happen is that his eligibility to play the rest of this year should be void. That's what should happen. I I really do believe that he's done. I think when we talk about winning, yes, there's winning, but then it's owners who are forking over millions and millions of dollars, and when they get together, they're not going to let a player dictate how trades are going to happen. And I think they'll take him as an example and say, you know what, this is the one example we're not going to let through. And we're going to make a that. statement there. And I, 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 because this guy is not, I don't, I don't know him real well, but he's not a player that I'm going to say, I am, I'm going to do this because he's going to make us that much better. It's not like he's the greatest player on ice. So I think he could really be made an example of, and I think, I think the owners are going to do it. I, it's, you know, we talk about the good old boy network. This is this could be the good old boy network at, at work right here, where they're just going to say, you know what, we're done, we're done. That that you're going to play like you're five years old, and you're making millions of dollars. I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, I would absolutely love to see that happen. Uh, more than anything, to set the precedent, it, it needs to be set and it needs to be firm. Yeah. So whether it is collusion, if you, if you deal with something collusion, it's always going to have some sort of ramification down the line, right? But if the league jumps in and they say, here is a rule, right, and get the, get the players association or the players union to buy into that for the integrity of the league to say, no, you can't just quit and then become a free agent, or you can't quit and hold a team hostage of the salary that you you signed to, right? Because in essence, uh, up until he was an unconditional release, those monies were tied into the Sabre salary cap. So if you say, no, you can't do this, and you're not going to get paid, all of a sudden now the onus goes back on that player. You know, you, you want to see something positive come out of a bad situation, and I think the league needs to work with the Players Association or the Players Union to kind of resolve this. Another Players Union uh, issue, as we follow up on our quick hits, is Eric Reed. I, I I don't know what else to say, Stevie D. It is bizarre. It is bizarre. Seven. 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 With six of them being random in 11 weeks. <laughs> think about that. I think one was, was he knew it was going to happen, I think, when he signed his contract, right? And then after that, you had six random tests in 11 weeks. But do you think any of the seven were random? No. Well, yeah. Oh. Uh, no, no. Uh, yeah, I think – no, they weren't random. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. No, no. I don't think any of them were random, no. but they can say it was random. Oh, it just so happened to be your first game back. You know, you, your name happened to pop up. Oh, okay. I mean, if he's that lucky, you know, we need to get him to get the Powerball and Lotto numbers because, I mean, this is ridiculous. How, how, how is it possible that the NFL can walk away and say that, yes, our system is done and your name was randomly generated seven times? Yeah. I, I'd go play the lotto, Eric Reed, if that's the case. Because your numbers are coming in, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It is, it's bizarre. Uh, somebody's got to explain something, whether it's publicly or not. At least explain something. To, to Eric and his lawyers because 
it's ridiculous. It's almost like it's like an invasion of privacy at that point. Like, okay, enough. How many times are you going to poke me with a needle to draw blood or whatever? It, it just, it, that's insane. Uh, and if it, this is payback for Eric Reed, uh, uh, again, really, NFL, are we five years old? Give me a break. If this is pettiness to get back at Eric Reed, who did nothing wrong, by the way, right? right? Did nothing wrong to be treated like this. It's unbelievable. But yet, they'll let other players do other things in the league and, and, and get through. I, I use Robbie Anderson, as right? He had some nasty offseason stuff. I, right? One of the, the officers dropped the charges down in Florida. But, you know, he did stuff he shouldn't have done and said stuff he shouldn't have done. There's no nothing against Robbie Anderson, but Eric Reed, you're you're doing all this on Eric Reed. He did nothing wrong. He was he's never been arrested. He hasn't been done anything to get caught with anything. You're talking because he he took a knee and stood what he believed. And now all of a sudden he had trouble getting a job, and now all of a sudden a random drug test. It, it's a joke. It's a joke. And to me, the NFL needs really needs to be held accountable now. Because I'm with you. I don't believe it's random. Because nobody gets caught. And I would love the statistics of every player in the NFL and how many times they got drug tested. Give me that listing. Then we'll see what's fair. You give me another player that's been tested seven times, and then I'll say the NFL is okay. Then I said, you know what? It's just bad luck. But show me that listing. Show me that listing, and then I'll lay off the NFL. You you know, I was reading uh, one of the tweets. You know, I saw this through Eric Reed's tweet. But I was reading somebody's tweet, and they brought up such a good point. If I'm Eric Reed, not only am I handing you my sample, but I'm also taking that same sample and I'm taking uh, taking it so that I can have it personally uh, validated and tested and sealed so that the NFL can't come back and say, oh, look, we found a positive test. Because once once you give up that sample, who knows? Right, they can come back and they can say anything. And if they're really being this petty, I wouldn't put it past them to say that, oh, we had a positive. No, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You're just trying to find a way and you're looking for an out. Yep. That by by far, they're looking for an out to say you're suspended for four games. And we know how the drug testing policy works. So he he has obviously passed. So I don't know. Shame shame on the NFL. Shame on Roger Goodell. Once again, Roger Goodell being weak, you know, we, we, sh- we should just put up our, our list on the website of the people who we just attack on a weekly basis. Hugh Jackson, Roger Goodell, back-to-back. I, mean, back. I love Hugh that gets a lot of airway here. I think it's great. <laughs> wait till he gets the job in Cincinnati. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> They're going to turn over the reins. Marvin says, here you go. No, but I, I, I'm really pissed about the Eric Reed thing. It, it is It is – it is just absolutely ridiculous. I, 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 it's like I'm almost speechless on it because I don't know how it's possible to be drug tested seven times in eleven weeks. Yeah. Like, I don't. I, I don't even know how many players are in the NFL. Right. You got fifty-three man rosters. You got practice squad players, and then you got you know the thirty the thirty teams. Right. You, Roughly fifteen hundred players. If you include practice squad, what they get seven players on a practice squad times thirty. That's another hundred eight. You almost had eighteen hundred people in the in the NFL. You're telling me you pulled the name out seven times in 11 weeks? Seven times? Oh, give me a break. Give me a break. So, Stevie D, one, one of the messages that we received from the show, and again, thank you for messaging us about the show, but I appreciate it. But the question was asked, are you guys going to talk about the NBA? Ooh. No, no, no NBA talk until after Christmas. That's when the NBA season officially kicks in is during the Christmas games. And everybody knows this. You, there's no need to ask. I mean, all the stuff that, that you're looking at now, that's all fantasy preseason preview type stuff. It's those Christmas Day games, and once that kicks off, then the NBA season kicks off. So, so you know, I was nervous there. I wasn't sure where you were going to go. I thought you were going to say you weren't going to talk about the NBA until the Knicks became good again. Uh, well, we wouldn't be talking for right. quite some time. Right, right. So I wasn't sure where you were going there for a second. I'm glad you went to Christmas and not not the Knicks, because. And, and and I know that you were trying to throw shade on my New York Knicks, yeah. but it's hard to throw shade on a team that already has thrown shade on itself. Yeah. Well, so, I, you know, I do want to talk about the NBA right now, real quick. 
Sure. Does uh, the unibrow go to the – I mean, uh, Anthony Davis go to the Lakers? <laughs> LeBron thinks it would be a great idea. Oh, and, and per- personally, I, I got to admit, you know, I'm going to a Suns game in Phoenix. Uh, what's it? Uh, the 28th of December. Uh, courtside. Courtside. Oh, nice. Courtside, baby. Oh, yeah. Get to see DeAndre Ayton. Is that who plays for the – he plays for the Phoenix? I, I don't even no. know. Number one pick for the for the Phoenix. <laughs> just just ask him. Hey, how did it feel getting beat by the UB Bulls last year? <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. Way to go, UB Bulls. I'm I'm gonna give him some love. I'm gonna give him some love. 14th rank in the country. I'm gonna give him some love. Good good job. Good job. And they beat Syracuse yesterday. Yes, they did. But Syracuse is unranked, but it's still Syracuse. It, it's still an ACC school. That's right. So I, I'm very happy with them. They have Mar- Marquette coming up on Friday. And then the rumor starts happening, and you shouldn't have started this rumor, people of Buffalo. The undefeated season. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it started. They said, if we can get past Marquette, can they have the undefeated season? You don't ask that question. You just don't. Can you control your people? Can you, I wish, please? I wish I could. Right now it's an exciting time. Well, no doubt. No, no doubt. No doubt. So excited! I had to give a little plug to uh, my second my my second team there, the UB Bulls, just for you. Oh, I appreciate that. No problem. Steamy D, we have to do our picks. Oh. And yeah, th- this week is not a great week. You know, I'm looking at all of these games, and there's the only game that stands out is the Kansas City Seattle game, for obvious reasons. The the Chiefs need to hold on. The Seahawks are still in the hunt, and so you know you have teams that have legitimate playoff aspirations playing each other. Well, actually, yeah. I, I like to say there's a couple of games. I think the Ravens-Chargers game is going to be very important because I think the Chiefs are going to lose to the Seahawks. I'm not sold I'm not sold on the Chargers. I, I'm sorry, I'm not sold on the Ravens. With, That's what I'm with saying, but Lamar it's an important Jackson. game. But it's an important game for, for the Ravens and their playoff hopes. And with the Chargers, because they're, they're playing Saturday. So if they win, they, you want to talk about putting pressure on the on the Chiefs to win that game in Seattle. Whew. Man, big, big games. Two two really big games. I'm looking forward to that, to both of those games. Well, then who do you have coming out of that Chargers-Ravens game? Oh, I got the Chargers, baby. L.A. Superchargers. It's not as good as the San Diego Superchargers. Right? <laughs> I know. It just doesn't sound. It doesn't roll off the tongue. I, I, I wish the Chargers rolled out the powder blues. <laughs> Come on. Roll out the powder blues. We got this. Take out those Ravens. They're going to lose to the Seahawks, and all hell is going to break here in this town of Kansas City. Whew. That That's not going to happen. So I, I'll, I'll agree with you on the Chargers beating the Ravens. I'll, I'll agree with you on that. All right. The Chiefs are going to avenge that one-point loss and are not going to lose their grip on the AFC West. They, they are going to beat the Seahawks. Okay. All right, we got a disagreement there. Okay, we're split on that one. And we need one more game. Steelers Saints. Steelers yeah, Saints my eyes are my eyes are being drawn to that one. Steelers I'm, Saints. I'm going Saints. They're going to rebound at home, where they play really good football, and, and, and they're and they're they're going to th- they're throwing up 38 points. If I knew what Steelers team was going to come and play, I, it would be easier to make that call. Who that? Who that said going to beat them Saints? Saints. 38, Steelers, 24. Thank you for avoiding the dead air. I, I'm still trying to figure out who I'm going to take in this one. Because Ben, you know, I don't know what's going on with Big Ben. And if, if I could get some sense of is the real Big Ben Roethlisberger going to step up and play, I, I'm going to have to take the Saints. Just because I don't know about I don't know about the Steelers. The good thing is that at least the Steelers will be playing on turf. And we don't have to work about worry about any type of kicking issues that would force Rocky Blyer to create another Twitter video and go off on a rant. So that that's a good thing. Well, but yeah, I'll I'll take the Saints in that one. So let me ask you this: so we have the flex schedule, right? So on Monday Night Football, you got the Broncos and Raiders. That it's going to be a bad football game. But you got the Steelers and Saints at 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 basically 4:25 on Sunday. Why wouldn't they be flexed to Monday Night Football when there's so much more riding on that game than the Broncos Raiders? Unless ESPN put their foot down and says, 
we want to make fun of John Gruden on Monday Night Football. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. As we get ready to close the show, let's wrap up our hot picks here. Chiefs, Seahawks. I have the Chiefs. You have the Seahawks. Go Hawks, baby. The Ravens, Chargers. We both have the Chargers. And the Steelers, Saints. I have the Saints. You have a tie. Oh, you didn't pick a tie. Oh, oh. (laughs) Who that nation, baby? I'm even calling the score, 38-24. Wow. You don't get bonus points for that. Just letting you know. There's no bonus points. So that's going to wrap things up for us. Uh, Stevie D, again, it's always a pleasure. It's fun, you know, just to sit around and kind of talk. Some of the issues happening in the sports world, some of the great news, from our perspective at least, was uh, what Major League Baseball is doing with Cuba and the Cuban baseball players, you know, actually having the opportunity to play in the big leagues and, you know, kind of going over some of the things, some of the other happenings that were happening in the NFL, a lot of happenings. <laughs> no, no <doubt. laughs> uh, but once again, I uh, want to make reference to the fact that uh, we now have a, a sponsorship for our hot takes, and that is Wanna Follow, wannafollow.com. Uh, Wanna Follow helps you stay up to date on all of your social all of your artists in social media updates on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all the rest in one place. Want to follow's patent pending technology keeps you updated on all of your favorites by bringing all of their social media updates to you. So to put a cap on this, I'm Vince. I'm Steve. And you can always check us out on our website, officialwordsports.com. You can follow us on Twitter at RealOWSports, and you can Follow us on Instagram at Official Word Sports. We'll see you.